0: a bit later on the band are going to lead us in a more extended time of worship so we're going to look at the bible uh, for a little while together we're still on a christmasy theme so we're going to be um, in matthew's gospel and uh, chapter 2 reading from verse 1 to 13 if you want to follow it in your bibles or on your tablets or phones or it'll be on the screen as well Matthew writes, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you that we can read the Bible together. We thank you that we have it in our hands, in our homes. We have it in our mobile phones. We pray, Lord, that we would be a people who read Your words, so that we might know You better. And would You speak uh, through Your word to us, even this morning, in Jesus' name, Amen. Many of you know that today is uh, a special Sunday in the church calendar. Anyone know today is the sixth of January? Epiphany! It is David, isn't it? It's Epiphany. And um, we don't go sort of too much into liturgy here, but we have had a little bit of liturgy already this morning. And um, it's one of the oldest sort of Christian festivals, especially in the West, because the the Coptic Church will be celebrating Christmas next week. Um, But we have it on the 25th of December. And uh, if you want to know all what that's about and everything, talk to David Afterwards, he'd be delighted to have a chat with you. But Epiphany celebrates this sort of revelation of Jesus to the Gentiles represented by the Magi. And um, it also means having a special revelation. It's not a word we use every day, is it? You know, if you you say to someone, I've had an Epiphany, they probably think you've had a, a dodgy medical procedure. You know, something like that. But epiphany is something really special to us. And we're going to look this morning at the three responses to the birth of Jesus that Matthew records for us in those early verses in chapter 2. And I believe that they're, they're universal responses to a revelation of the news of Jesus Christ. And we will see those responses repeated in our own day. The response of the Magi, the response of Herod, and the response of the priests and the teachers of the law. Three different responses to the coming of Jesus. I want you to think about, while I'm talking about it, whether their responses are reasonable or unreasonable, whether their responses are what you would have expected from them or not. So the first ones are the Magi. Now their response is quite radical. Even before Jesus was born, their response was radical. Matthew tells us that they came from the east, probably Persia or Babylonia, modern day Iran or Iraq. So it means they would have traveled at least 600 to 800 miles from where they came from to visit Jesus. We sometimes know them as the three kings, the wise men. They often appear in our nativity scenes, but we we don't think that they would have been there around the manger. We think they would have come much later. I don't think they were kings either. Matthew describes them as magi, which can mean magicians, soothsayers. Interpreters of dreams, astronomers and astrologers. And everything about their background would point to an unexpectedness about their response to Jesus and his birth. But it is possible that they would have had influences coming down the ages. If you remember, if you've read your Old Testament, the prophet Daniel He was a Jew who was exiled to Babylonia. And he gained favor with the king of Babylon to the point that he was made chief of the magi. He was placed over the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners of Babylon. Those people were involved in the occult as we would know it now. And yet God moves in the hearts of these magi. And they would have studied the stars more so than even we do. They would have studied the stars. And maybe they would have remembered some of the prophecies of Daniel when he was actually chief of those people in Babylon. When in chapter 7 he describes the coming of one like the son of man who will have everlasting dominion, whose kingdom would never end. And in the vision that Daniel has, he describes this Son of Man. And if you read it exactly the same as John's vision in the book of Revelation, when he sees the exalted Jesus, maybe they would have remembered that. But God also spoke to them in a language they could understand, a star, or what they thought was a star, an incredible appearance in the sky. What did they see? Scholars have debated it. You could read books and books about this. Some have said it may have been Halley's Comet, but we think that was a bit too early. Others have thought that it's a conjunction of planets. It's most likely not to be a star, but a conjunction of planets. When they orbit around and they come in line with each other, they appear as the brightest thing in the sky. And there was a conjunction of uh, Jupiter and Saturn around that time. And Jupiter was considered to be the king planet royal planet. Saturn was thought to represent the Jews in their thinking. And there was a sense even in the wider world. Even among Roman historians Suetonius and Tacitus were writing about there was an expectation across the world of a new ruler coming. And there was also a conjunction of Jupiter with Venus, that they came so close, they seemed to merge into one exceptionally bright star. We don't know which of those it was, but if you want to watch a really good program about it, Rosemary mentioned it to me, it's on iPlayer, Under the Christmas Sky. It's only half an hour, but it was brilliant over Christmas. And it, it, they try and trace the Bethlehem Star, it's It's brilliant. We don't know which one of these it was, but it was significant. And we know that these were recorded in history. Even in the Babylonian sort of um, text that we have, they record this amazing event that they saw in the sky. And the one conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn appeared three times in one year. So it's not like the star that they saw just moved and they just followed it gradually. It would have appeared at different times. But they followed it, that appearance. It signified the coming to them. They called him the king of the Jews. And they set out to find this king of the Jews. We don't know how many Magi they were. We always have three in the nativity scenes because that's what we do. We only do that because they brought three gifts. There might have been 12 of them. There might have been six of them. We don't know how many there were. But what we do know is they got up and they began a long journey west that would lead them to Judea, lead them to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem and to Jesus. We don't know how long the journey took. It could have taken up to two years. We only know that because of Herod's response. He asked them, when did you first see the star? And when he sets out his plan for the children of Bethlehem, he determines that any boy under two will come to his attention. They had a wholehearted search For Jesus. And when they discovered Jesus, they worshipped him and adored him. If you think of where they've come from, that was unexpected. But when they discover Jesus, they worship him, adore him, and with remarkable insight into his future ministry, they offer him the gifts that we know so well gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gifts for a king. Gold, yeah. Frankincense was in constant use by priests in the temple. And Jesus would be our ultimate great high priest who makes reconciliation between God and humanity. And myrrh was used to embalm the dead. Incredible prophetic gifts for a child that they bring. The second response that we read in this passage is from Herod. Herod is the king at the time. He's not a Jew, he's a half Jew. Half Edomite. And his response is anger, opposition, persecution. But if you think about it, it's not unexpected. Put yourself for a moment in Herod's shoes. Think about it. You've worked so hard to become king. You know you're not the legitimate king. But you've worked so hard. You've schemed and connived your way to the very throne. You've double-crossed and you've flattered people. You've removed all threats to your throne. You've killed your wife, three of your sons. You've removed all other political opponents. And you are now on the throne. And these wise men, these magi, who have travelled hundreds of miles, come to your door... And say, we've come to worship the king of the Jews. Do you know where he is? He has been born. Do you think Herod would have gone, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Actually, that's what he says, isn't it? He says to them, well, when, when did you first see this star? And then he says to them, well, yeah, you go and make a search for him because I want to go and worship him too. His response is brutal. And he consults his chief priests and the teachers of the law. Where is this Messiah going to be born then? In Bethlehem. And they quote from the prophet Micah. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And we have that quote that Matthew uses. Here are these magi asking directions. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We have come to worship him. This is political dynamite. And that title king of the jews only appears once again in matthew's gospel do you know where it appears again when jesus is crucified above the cross the notice here is the king of the jews the magi come saying where is the real true legitimate king of the jews herod is insanely suspicious This is a man who on his deathbed ordered the rest of all the notable men in Jerusalem to be gathered at the Hippodrome in Jerusalem. And on the news of his death, they were all to be killed because he wanted there to be great mourning throughout Jerusalem on his death. He is a little unhinged to say the truth. To say the least about him. So it doesn't surprise us when he orders the massacre of all the baby boys in Bethlehem two years and under. From the first appearance of the star, two years and under, they're all to be killed. We don't know how many, 30, 40 maybe. The third response is one that you could pass over because it's not really recorded in any detail and it's easily missed in the drama of what's happening with the Magi and the drama of what's happening with Herod. It's the response of the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Did you notice their response? These are good people. Religious people. The ones that we might expect to be waiting for the Messiah. The ones that we might expect to be the spiritual guides of Israel. The ones who would have spoken about the Messiah in their messages. The ones who would have prayed about the Messiah in their prayers. The ones who have sung about the Messiah in their worship times as they sung the Psalms. And they knew the prophecies. They would have known the prophecies of Isaiah. They would have known the prophecies of Daniel. They would have known the prophecies of Micah. And they quote, when, when Herod asks them, they quote verbatim, Micah 5, verse 2. But here's the strange thing. Here's the unexpected thing. They do nothing. Nothing. They weren't willing to humble themselves or even inquire. They watched the Magi leave on their last leg of their marathon journey and were not prepared or bothered to make the six-mile journey from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to find out what was going on. Is this prophecy come true? Furthermore, they did nothing to oppose Herod's killing of the innocents in Bethlehem. And these chief priests and teachers of the law sowed the seeds for the next generation that would call publicly for the death of Jesus when he was arrested. Three responses. That we see replicated today. Herod's outright opposition, persecution, violence towards Jesus and violence towards his followers. Persecution has never been greater in our world today. The church is under more pressure than it's ever been in terms of opposition. It's not just the violent opposition in many countries, but even in countries where there is no violent oppression of Christians, there is a growing secular humanist opposition to anything that is of Jesus. And there is spiritual battle in that. And Jesus said that opposition was inevitable but we will never quench God's mission because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. There's the response of the priests and the teachers of the law. And I was in this camp once. Just apathy. Indifference. Jesus didn't mean anything to me. I grew up in a Christian home and I was apathetic and indifferent. It just doesn't matter to me. And in many ways, that's where we live. It's in that area of response that we find ourselves in our witness and in our trying to make Jesus known. It's a lot of people just, oh, I, just I don't want to know. I'm not bothered. We've, we've got past all that. C.S. Lewis once said, if Christianity is true, it's the most important ever. If Christianity is not true, it's of no importance whatsoever. If Jesus isn't who he says he is, it's not importance whatsoever. What it cannot be is just hmm, moderately important. Or, like the Magi, their response is to let God break in, transform their thinking, transform their believing, reorder their lives. They're prepared to leave everything behind to seek and find Jesus and worship Him because the coming of Jesus demands a response. They recognize Him as Messiah, Savior, God in the flesh. That's remarkable and we recognize that too and we recognize that he's coming again and demands our allegiance to him and his cause i guess because you're here morning you, if you're outright opposed to jesus you wouldn't be here If you were indifferent and apathetic, I don't think you'd be here either. No one's putting their hand up for that one, so safe ground. So we're all in the third one with the Magi. And it may be that you've just set out on the journey. That you've seen something that has caught your attention. And you are on a journey to find out who Jesus is. And I'm just so grateful that you're here. And maybe today, maybe today is the day when you say, yeah, I do believe in Jesus and I am going to worship him just like the Magi did. Or you're here as a committed Christian. You're a follower of Jesus and you want to follow him even more. If you're a new Christian and you've not been baptized, why not make that the next step of your journey? 20th of January. The vast majority of us have been following Jesus for a little while now. And we have our ups and downs, don't we? Our relationship with Jesus is really great sometimes and not so great other times and we realize that it's not to do with him or his love, it's, it's us. But we long to have a deeper Walk with Jesus. So I would invite you this morning as the band come and lead us in worship that we will respond like the Magi. We will come and worship and adore Jesus. And we're going to share communion together as a family. And just say this is where we are. We're followers of Jesus and we're proud of Jesus and we want to be followers of Jesus in this coming year. And to serve him as best we can. You up for that? Bronnie's huddled up in her coat. and it, You're going to have to put that down just for a moment, Bronny. as we worship. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for those who oppose you and your work and your ways and your people. We do pray as you ask us to do, to pray for persecutors. And we pray for those who would be like King Herod today, like Kim Jong-un and others Who would seek to stamp out you and your followers. We pray for them. We pray for those who speak about you with hatred. That you would deal with their hearts, Lord. And soften them, we pray. We pray for those who are indifferent. Who don't care about you. And it breaks our hearts because we know... That without you they are lost in this world. That you are the hope.